Good morning. The reading today is taken from two uh, passages of Scripture. Uh, first, I'll be reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, and then I will read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Um, I will. Uh, you can follow along on page 6, and I will pause for a couple of seconds before I transition to the next passage. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living sacri- as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Thank you, Hlase. I want to ask you to pull out this insert that you should find in your bulletin. It says, says at the top there, serve, help, invest, with exclamation points. That's what it sounds like if you were wondering. Um, I will make reference to this later on uh, in the sermon, but please have those out. And we are currently in the midst of this transition period going through a little refresher course on the vision of this church. Why do we exist? What kind of church are we trying to be? especially as we are preparing for a new phase of growth ourselves, that we have a good, strong rudder to know where are we trying to head? How shall we build our community? And also, as we start reintroducing ourselves to our local community, we're talking about this move as a grand reopening, we need to know what we're describing our church as to people. Be on the same page together as a community. So each week, uh, starting last week and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at different biblical foundations for components of our church's vision and mission. 
Uh, we're going to continue that today. Let me say a word of prayer before we continue. God, we're giving ourselves in this time, uh, asking that you would have your way with us. That's a risky prayer uh, to say, Jesus, you speak and we'll listen. You tell us and we'll follow. Uh, we're not always good at that, but we do actually want that sort of heart. So please give us grace. Give us your spirit. Help us to have supple hearts, uh, responsive to you, to your word. Uh, please be present. Give us help in Jesus' name. Amen. We have said that for Grace Meridian Hill, that our mission is to build a gospel community that is intentionally spiritually diverse, cross-cultural, and neighborhood-centered for the good of our neighbors and the glory of Jesus Christ in Columbia Heights, Mount Pleasant, Adams, Morgan, and beyond. We talked last week about one of the key components of this vision, and that is this idea of being a spiritually diverse community, being intentionally and sacrificially a community that extends itself to people that are new or newer to the Christian faith, a community that makes space for people that want to explore and investigate in a safe environment, a community, a church that is welcoming, that is meaningful, not always easy, but at least meaningful and helpful to people that are asking big, big questions about God and about the story of the gospel as we find it in the Christian Bible. Spiritually diverse community. Today, we want to focus in on this little phrase in the beginning of that mission statement, gospel community. Gospel community. What is gospel community. Gospel community is a place where the good news of God's grace is at the center of everything that we are and everything that we do. That what defines us as a church is not what we do for him, but rather what Jesus did for us. A gospel community is a place where people are beginning to be motivated by love and by joy, not fear and not religious guilt. A gospel community is a place where it's safe to be your true selves, your true self, your honest, broken, naked, sinful, ugly self, saved by the grace of God. A place where people are free to repent, where people are hungry to grow and change. A gospel community is a place where you and I fight together against sin and addiction. Not because we're terrified of God's judgment, but because we are melted by his love. A gospel community is a place where people begin to ask big things of God in prayer. Big things. Because they're beginning to see that God's promises and his will to save and his love really are that big. We can count on him. A gospel community is a place where people are important. Sound obvious? People are important. Where people are learning to love other people and not just as friends, or acquaintances, but as 
brothers in Christ, as sisters in Christ, as a family, which means sometimes knowing that that means it gets messy. A gospel community is a place where people carry each other's burdens, the hardships and the trials of life, where people cry together, where people laugh together, where people do life together, real life. This is a gospel community. Do you, friends, long for this sort of community? Do you want to be a part of this endeavor to grow in this direction, to pray that God might make us into this sort of community? Do you long for it? I do. This is what it looks like in general terms. Okay, one more. One more. What is gospel community? Gospel community is a place where every person, where every person plays a vital part in community life. Where every member is empowered to love and to serve, not just be loved and be served. A gospel community is an every member ministry. And this is the idea that I'd like to focus on in the rest of the time that we have together. That a gospel community is a place where every single one of you, including me, sees ourselves as equipped and empowered to build, to engage, to invest, to love, to serve, to be a part of God's amazing work in this humble little place, in this humble little place. Where God calls us to be servants, to serve as Jesus came to serve, and not just to be served. And we'll just take it in a couple broad themes, looking at these two passages, Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, pulling out some key themes and key thoughts. Do you understand, dear friends, first point, that God actually gives us the responsibility to contribute to community life and to the mission. God gives us the responsibility to contribute. God also gives us the ability to contribute. And lastly, thirdly, God gives us the right heart to contribute. These three things. He gives us the responsibility to contribute to the church community. Maybe you're someone who says to yourself, you know, looking around, there's enough people here maybe 100, 120 or so people, or maybe in my neighborhood group, small group, if you're part of one, 8, 12, 15, 25 people in the group. That was a shout out to Adams Morgan. (laughs) 45, no. Maybe you're saying, what difference would it make? Well, I mean, really, what difference would it make whether I show up or I don't? Whether I actually contribute and help out or not? whether I actually participate in these different areas where we might have needs, what difference does it make if I invest in the life of the church? This is the difference that it makes. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us. That the church community is only healthy when every person is actively engaged. This is how God designed for spiritual community to work. We see this in verse 4 of Romans chapter 12. For just as each of us has one body 
with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And you might be familiar with this metaphor, but Paul is comparing the church community to a human body. One physical body with many different parts, appendages, organs, different components to it. And this illustrates both the unity of the community as well as the diversity of different kinds of people here. Ethnically, personality-wise, gender, all different kinds of backgrounds that are represented in this room. And what Paul tells us in this passage is that churches become unhealthy when they only have a few number of people serving. Because just like a physical body would be imbalanced and distorted, so would a church be if not all of its members, all of its body parts are doing its part. You know, kind of like a body with missing or malfunctioning parts. You know, a body maybe with one, one elbow, say, or, you know, f- seven eyelashes. I mean, you wouldn't be able to see, right? You, your eyes wouldn't work well. Or maybe different things that aren't working, uh, you know, receding hairline. Uh, you know, I don't know, things that aren't quite there. What's wrong with a receding hairline, huh? No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. What's the spiritual metaphor here? I don't know. But listen, Ephesians 4 tells us the same thing. Also talks about the church community as the body of Christ. And there we're told that God has given church leaders and members to serve together. But for what purpose? For what goal? Middle of verse 12. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Which is a long Greek mouthful that kind of boils down to this. That when every one of us are using our gifts and using our love and participating in the life of the community, that together we will know and experience more of Jesus together. It's an amazing thought if you actually think about it. Let me word it in the negative. To the degree that we have body parts that are not fully functioning, maybe because of their own choice, or maybe because they're being excluded, we're told that there is the fullness of Jesus that we have not yet attained to because the whole body isn't at work. Oh, an amazing motivation that we're given to say, you have gifts, you have loves, you have experiences, you have a great personality, you are a human being, you are actively engaged, you are serving, you are giving of your time, your talents, your treasure, yourself. We have every reason to count on believing that because of that dynamic, we will have more of Jesus in this gathering. It's an astounding, stunning idea. We will grow spiritually as a community more when people are actively living and loving out of the unique person that God meant you to be. 
Do you hear this vision, this invitation, not just to be a consumer of community, but a creative contributor to the life of the community? Because God will use it. God will use it. Every single person in this room and more is needed for the fullness of the community that God intends here. There are no unnecessary body parts. No uh, appendix body parts. As, you know, I don't know, you doctors, you can tell me. Have they found a new uh, function uh, for uh, uh, the appendix? No, no person is an organ or a body part that's unneeded because everyone has a gift. Everyone has a ministry. And you have no place to treat other people like they're unnecessary to the community. And listen to this, you have no right and place to treat yourself like you're unnecessary to the flourishing of the community. Paul's invitation is to have an attitude and a readiness to move through people's lives and to always have on our hearts, on our minds, even the tips of our tongues, how can I serve? How can I contribute? As a teacher and the author Paul Stevens put it in one of his books, He says, Paul is teaching us this. Every member of the body of Christ is indispensable. In a church that recognizes that every member is given grace from Christ, every member will be prized. Every member will be appreciated. Every differing experience of the grace of Christ will be treasured. Such an environment will communicate, we need you. What can it look like for us to cultivate a church environment where we communicate that? We need you. God gives us not only the responsibility to contribute, he gives us the ability to contribute to the life of the community. You might say, okay, I see the importance of this, and I see that I'm being told that this is necessary for me to fully engage, but I don't know if I have anything to offer. I might try, but I'm not sure I have anything to give. And this passage would say, actually, you're wrong, because every Christian, by the generosity of God, has been given specific grace from Jesus, specific spiritual resources to contribute to body life. Romans 12.6 tells us that Jesus calls us to serve according to the grace given to each of us. I mean, we just pause there and think about it. This is an incredibly dignifying and empowering thing to believe. That it's not just professional ministers like myself. It's not just people in quote-unquote full-time ministry that can make a spiritual difference in people's lives. And in this neighborhood, and in the world, in whatever areas of calling that God might have placed you in. Whether as a mother at home, or as a teacher in a schoolroom, or as a support staffer in some other capacity, as a waiter in a restaurant. If you have Jesus, you have a ministry. If you have Jesus, you are a minister. Hmm. You can be a real part 
of the transformation of people's lives, even the spiritual transformation of this neighborhood. Because God has given you a little piece of his eternal grace and set it upon your life. I mean, think about it. I mean, you can even put your hand out in front of you and picture it in front of you. God has filled your hands with something, giving you power and resources and abilities for you to serve out of and give out of that he will use you to make people a clear reflection of himself and this neighborhood a clear reflection of himself. If you have Jesus, you have a ministry, you are a minister. And you say, wait a minute, I thought ministry is what pastors or professional clergy do. Maybe that's what I was told all these years. And listen, Ephesians 4.11, can we turn there? Look at what Paul says. So, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Why? Why did Jesus give leaders in the church to the church? To equip his people for works of service. Or as other translations put it, to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. What is my job? I'm talking about me personally, as an ordained minister and the pastor of this church. What is my job? My job, dear friends, is not to personally and individually do all the work of ministry at Grace Meridian Hill and in this neighborhood. My calling, as Paul puts it, is to equip you to do the work of ministry, to serve and to love and to give. Which means that my calling and my job and my specific task is not a kind of ministry that's better or more important. It's simply more upstream. Where I'm training and teaching and giving more of the gospel and giving guidance and leadership and whatever God calls me to do. But ministry is something for all people to do. And it must be done that way. And if we in our church do things around here thinking maybe in the back of our minds that, look, you know, everything would work better if we just had 15 more Christina and Jessica's on our staff and Angela. If we just had more staff people, if we just had 20 more pastors, then things would really better. Actually, we'd be doing something wrong because we'd be turning it upside down in the way that Paul talks about how these gifts and graces work. God has given each of you special strengths that he calls gifts. He uses this language of gifts to emphasize that Jesus has given them to us and therefore we ought to use them. They belong to him. They're on loan to you. Strengths. Like what he describes in Romans 12, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your grift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul's saying, look, there are all different kinds of things. There are speaking gifts, some of which are used in a public setting, like prophesying, which in that time was used for speaking the right time, right word at the right time into people's lives, or teaching. 
teaching, whether if it's what I'm doing right now or if it's teaching in a different setting. It could even apply to those of you that have gifts, not just for the pulpit or classroom, but for coffee talk. People that are good at instructing just in interpersonal conversation, mentoring, giving good advice to each other. That's a form of teaching too. We are instructing each other all the time. Some of you are just very effective in it. Praise God. Celebrate it. Use it. But not just public speaking gifts, interpersonal speaking gifts. Paul says encouragement, comforting, exhorting, lifting people up. Some of you are just really good at speaking a timely word to a person in a time of need, of lifting their spirits up, of pointing them to Christ of bringing them to a fresh perspective of what they're going through in a time of trial. They're speaking gifts. They're also doing gifts that Paul talks about. Doing gifts uh, where you build other people up, not by your words, but by your deeds, with your hands and your feet. He talks about serving. Might be giving, supporting things behind the scenes. He talks about giving, which is another word for practical generosity. Maybe it's making a meal for a person that just doesn't have time to feed themselves. Maybe it's actually giving money and resources because God has blessed some people with a lot of stuff so that you can give it away and be a blessing to other people. Or showing mercy, which is another word for helping people who are hurting. Compassion for the poor. Leadership gifts. He says, lead diligently. People that are managers, people that direct, people that govern. This list is not meant to be exhaustive or detail out the only available gifts. It's just representative. Some of you need to give good thought this week to this question of what are my gifts? What are some of my strengths? Where have people said, you know, the way you just did that or the way that you served me, it made a difference in my life. I saw God use that, which is also why it's really impossible to discern what our gifts are apart from community. You need other people to give you feedback. Ask other people if you're interested in what your spiritual strengths are. But be creative. Don't just be stuck into these boxes and categories. Maybe if you grew up in the church, you have it fixed in your mind that there are only 16 gifts available to humanity. And it's just not the case. These are not meant to be rigid categories. Some of you have the gift of human icebreaker. It's not Greek. (laughs) It's not in the Bible. Human icebreaker. I see it all the time. The person that's just remarkably good at taking awkward situations and making people feel at ease. Anyone here have that? I mean, can you boldly raise your hand and say, I I think I'm all right with that. Mary Catherine, yeah. Donald, yeah. Right? We need you. We need you. Because community life is awkward sometimes. We need some human ice breakers. Or people that are really good with numbers. That can apply their numerical skills, whether in the counseling of people that are going through financial struggles, getting their budgets in place, or maybe just tutoring a kid in arithmetic. People that have the gift of getting the attention of kids, which I saw on Saturday. Marcus Cross, I'm going to single you out. I came a little bit late to Summer Bible Club 
and apparently Marcus was the MC of the day's events, and I had already seen Marcus in action, so I knew that he was strong in this area, but I was reintroduced to this again because I came in midstream towards the end, and they were going to wrap things up, but they had to get the kids' attention, and I knew that Marcus had been up to some serious business earlier on in the day because he stands up in the middle of the room, he makes this weird noise, and the kids immediately respond. I don't even remember what it was, but Marcus says something like, and all the kids immediately perk up and say, all at the same time. That, that's, that's what I understood. I didn't hear, I couldn't understand what was going on. What, what, what? Encourage, yeah, it's tell me what? There you go. <laughs> and it was this amazing thing. You really should have seen it. Because I knew that I could try that very same line. And I could work at it and practice at it. And I never would have been able to do it like Marcus did. And I praise God that Marcus was there that day. And all the other leaders and volunteers that were there yesterday, loving the kids in ways that I know that I'm limited and would not have been able to do. Some of you just need to think, all of us need to think just more creatively. But what am I just strong at? And how can God use me in service to Christ and others? Maybe it's a sweet spot of your personality Maybe it's something like that. We need to use the gifts that we've been given. You don't have a right to say, I have nothing to offer. Because Christ has given you a gift if you are in him. Okay, thirdly and lastly, God gives us the right heart to contribute. He gives us not only the responsibility, not only the ability, but also the heart to contribute and to serve. He gives us the right attitude, in other words, the right posture. That is the posture of a servant. Again, Ephesians 4, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. Literally, that word in the Greek means waiting tables. And that's not to say that being a waiter is a bottom rung type of activity, But it's simply to say that a lot of the things that God is calling us to do is not outwardly something that might seem impressive or glamorous, but is certainly meaningful and makes a difference in people's lives like waiting tables. It may not be sexy. It may not make you look good on the outside. It may not carry with it tons and loads of status. But because there's a need, you're willing to be a servant. But because there's a person to love, you're willing to drop everything and take care of that person. And willing to do it not because it, 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 it is to your credit or because anyone might notice because a lot of servanthood is behind the scenes, but simply out of love for Christ and love for other people. Romans 12.3 says this, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. There's a humbling word. Some of us has taken, have taken ourselves out of the game as far as actively contributing to community. It's because we think it's beneath us to serve in this way or that way. Because there's a sense of pride that keeps us at an arm's distance from different needs and different people's lives. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, But some of us need to remember, don't think of yourselves more lowly than you ought as well. Jesus has indeed empowered you. He's given you the spirit of his son, Jesus the servant who came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life 
as a ransom for many. Jesus has served you. Jesus has given to you. Jesus took on the posture of a slave in order to give you life, in order to cause you to flourish, in order to forgive your sins, in order to love you. Now by the power of His Spirit, now alive in you, be like Him. Serve. Give. Contribute. Love. And now let's get concrete. Pull this out. Pull this out. Let me be clear. I am not saying that the only application of this passage... (laughs) If you will obey the Lord God, you shall take out your pens. No. This is simply one way. Simply one way to make this concrete and practical. That we, as we transition to our grand opening on September 8th, and as we move to our new building, we have tons of needs. And it's not just a need that's a drudgery, it's actually a fun thing. It'll be a fun transition for you to be actively involved. We'd love for you to make use of these forms. You can fill this out in the next few minutes. You can fill it out later on today. You can communicate with us in different ways. But look, everyone can support our grand reopening in these two ways. You can invite a friend or a neighbor. You can chatter and tell other people about this big transition, this big event. Like we said before, people that normally may not be as open to attending a church or visiting a church, usually when things are new, become more open. So give it a shot, a friend that you care about or that you've been thinking about. Secondly, everyone can also pray for our transition, either individually or together in groups, like on Tuesday mornings at 7.30, we meet together at Coffee Cafe. That prayer meeting is being devoted to this transition. But here are several specific needs that you might look at or consider. This red box right here in the middle, I want to help out with our transition. We have needs for church beautification, where we'd love to go in to Mount Rona and actually clean up a little bit as a blessing to them as well, not just for our own purposes, to paint Uh, to rearrange a little bit of furniture, and we'd love to have a good crowd of people that want to pick up a paintbrush or want to carry around trash bags or want to move around big, heavy furniture. We'd love to have you join in on this church beautification day. We haven't set the date aside, but you can check that off if you'd like to use your time and energy in that way. We need some help with outreach. People that can actually go canvas the couple blocks right around the church to let people know, hey, we're here. We'd love to see you join us. To flyer, to talk to people, to engage in relationships, not just handing out uh, pieces of paper, but to actually get to know people a little bit as you're knocking on doors. And of course, as always, always, we need Spanish speakers to help out with that because that area actually has a pretty significant number of Latinos. We're talking about possibly doing a second Sunday suppers Ministry that is maybe preparing monthly meals after church because we have space for it and we have a nice big kitchen where we can actually eat together, maybe on, on a monthly basis. If you all feel like that's a good idea, check that box if you'd be interested and we can start talking and seeing if we might be able to pull something like that off. It would be a great way to build community right then and there in the church building after church. U-Haul committee, people that want to help move physically move our stuff from here to Mount Rona on the 1st of September when we make that transition. 
Uh, so loading up a truck and moving it over there, we'd love to have your help. That's going to be on September 1st, right after our worship service. Welcome in and hospitality. What we mean by that is some key people that say, you know what, God has gifted me in being a human icebreaker, or God has given me a love uh, to welcome people that are new because I was new not that long ago myself. So I know how hard it can be, and I care about striking up conversation with people that are finding their way Uh, People that can team up with others in the church to direct traffic, to usher and host people around the new building as they start trickling in for the four Sundays in September. Check that box off. And look at that blank one at the bottom there. What is that one all about? Creative ideas. Is there some way that you'd like to serve? Maybe you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you see a gift or you see a way that you want to apply a part of who you are. We'd love to hear from you. Give an idea. It may or may not fit all of our needs, but let's think through it. It might even just benefit you to go through that exercise. This is also a great time for you to consider just investing more deeply in community life here at this church. We have a number of different teams and ministries. This is a great time to build up those ministries as we transition into our new space, whether if it's joining the music team or the audiovisual team, helping out with our kids in the children's ministry, our Latino outreach ministry, community and social events, the Meridian Hills Moms Group uh, for support and prayer and study, the neighborhood groups, which are midweek small groups where you can go and get a sense of belonging and look for people to care for and love and serve, not just to be cared for, but also to serve. Neighborhood and compassion ministry, whether if it's mentoring urban youth, loving the poor, we're open to other creative expressions of this, different ways that we can get involved and get engaged because there are tons of needs and tons of neighbors that we would love to love. All these different ways that you can be a part of what's going on here. To make this more and more of an every member ministry where every person is engaged, every person is a contributor, every person is being a part of the fullness of Jesus that we are experiencing and getting to know here in this church and in this neighborhood. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be more of that sort of gospel community? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for giving us this vision. Uh, It's a challenging one. Because it is a costly one, calling us to serve and to give. We pray that the power of the gospel, that it would be a joy and a deep gift of gratitude uh, for us to dare to step out in different ways, uh, and not a drudgery, and not something motivated by guilt or fear or discomfort. We give ourselves to you. We pray that you would build this church and you would make us more like Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing a little bit.